right, we're recording here Are at we good? Zany's in Rosemont. This is like our 14th episode, and I think we're making it big. We got comedian Pat McGann here. Thank you, Dan Carlson, manager of Zany's, right? Greetings. Guys, thank you so much for doing the of show. Of course. Man. Funny set. Funny, funny set, man. It's Where was <laughs> I? <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, You know, the... the Pushing um, boots. I, what I couldn't believe is like... So we're doing some research. We try and do some stuff. And, um, of course, I saw the Letterman, the Letterman bit you did. Oh, and yeah. Uh, are you, do you get tired of talking about it? I mean, He I'm prefers sure if you refer to it as, as skit. skit <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little skit. sketch. Yeah. Yeah. A little sketch. <laughs> nice little sketch. <laughs> Is, uh, are you sick of talking about it yet? I'm sure everybody's asking you about it and the, and the whole experience. I mean, I'm not sick about talking about yeah. it. No, I mean, it was great. <laughs> I loved it. It was fun. Um, but, yeah, I mean. I I just don't I don't want to sound like I have stock answers to it, you know. Um, but with Dan being here, like he was part of that. Like was I was running the set and being like, we had conversations about like that was the show that I wanted to to pursue. So I picked out his suit. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good suit too, man. That was a, that was a sharp, sharp. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Did you um, now? Had you performed in New York previously, or did, was it just mostly in the Midwest? I know you've been doing this for what? Seven I had years done now? a set out in um, Hannibal Burris has a great show out there, the Knitting Factory, and I did that last August, and I believe I did a set one other time before that, but the first time I was in like a comedy club in in New York was doing that um, that stand up New York the the night before I did Letterman. You run your set at a club before with the, with the producers, so that was like the first time. Sure. Is it is it hard being like Chicago's known for comedy? I'm an improv guy, so I went to Improv Olympic in Second City, and Chicago's always like obviously known for that stuff. Is yeah. it hard to be a stand-up coming out of Chicago, especially like right now? It seems like there's a lot of New York guys hitting it. Is it is it hard to? Book I think it? that there's like a s- ceiling here in Chicago that you're gonna you you're just gonna you can only go so far in Chicago. I don't think it's hard being from Chicago, a lot of those guys that are hitting it out, out of New York and out in L.A. are from, originally, from this scene. I mean, they have a lot of a lot of strong guys that are, you know, guys that left right before I started, T.J. Miller, Kamel, Kyle Kinane. This is really a great city to uh, get yourself ready for being seen because when you go out there too early and a lot of guys think they're ready, they go out too early and they, they burn out. They just burn because – the talent scouts and and the people that are looking for those s- the next wave uh, when you go out there a little bit too early. But here you can plus the audiences here are a little bit more in touch with what America views as is funny. On the both coasts, they've just got a little bit different view. And I think if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. You know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so yeah, I got to tell you, I mean, this audience really didn't give you a lot to go with, and. Uh, I feel like you you did about a third of your your set just interacting with the audience, which is phenomenal. Yeah, I like to do that. I like to that comes from hosting. I started really as a house MC at Zany's. I mean, that's where I really started to grow because I was getting a ton of stage time downtown. I did. Uh, there was a year where I did like nine months, and that's six nights a week, ten, eleven shows a week. So I was petrified of doing crowd work when I initially started doing comedy and got that house MC gig. But they really encourage you to do that. The Zanies, the way they want their shows to run is, I think, the way they should be run all around the country. And they don't – not every club does it that way. 
sometimes a host is the least experienced comedian. They don't want you to do crowd work because they don't believe you can do it. They don't make confidence in you. But here, you know, they force you to do that, and, and it ends up working because you just become more conversational. Oh, yeah. I, I, I love the fact, that, and I don't want to blow up a spot or anything, but just the fact that the, the crowd was rough, and he probably usually is. Like I, I've been to a few shows at Zany's, and the crowd work at the beginning of, of, of the night is, is, is always fun. And and you get some guys, and they were being a little – they were being rough. I mean, it was a pretty tame crowd, but, well, you came out and attacked right away, and I love it. I love I love <laughs> somebody that's not afraid to – that makes me feel like you probably played some rough – some really rough crowds before. Pat's one of the best that I've seen as far as uh, the crowd work or, you know, just improving off the cuff. He's He's one of the best. I mean, and it happened very quickly with you too. The sarcasm is fantastic. I mean, that's a skill set that very few people can pull off, and he's uh, perfected it in a very short period of time. So, I mean, that's that's the stuff that makes me laugh. That's why I asked Dan to be on this podcast, so (laughs) he could talk about, (laughs) he could compliment me. (laughs) That's that's the funniest thing. It's like, that's a hard thing to do, and the timing, too. And, uh, you know, I had had some, some friends, you know, as soon as I would say I'm in improv, they'd, oh, do say something funny, do something funny, which I'm sure you get. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I had some friends say, oh, you should try stand-up. And I'm like, I don't, you know, that's, that's a world of difference. It's, f- it's like writing, really. I was thinking about this last night. Somebody had said that to me. Do you get that a lot? Like, say something funny, say something funny. It's like, if we hang out, we're going to have some laughs, you know? And it's like when you write, th- if you sit down to write something funny, you're probably not going to just immediately write something funny but if you start just writing down random thoughts and kind of journal style stream of conscious then you're gonna you're gonna stump stumble upon something that that's funny that's so it's like yeah diarrhea (laughs) diarrhea (laughs) cha 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 (laughs) so how much of what you do is actually written versus i i hear a lot of oh this happened to me oh that happened to me type things i mean you you put a lot of yourself into it it's pretty yeah i try and be autobiographical that's advice i got early on i used to originally do a lot of observational stuff and somebody told me you know what you need to be autobiographical it'll keep you original it'll keep you you know your act will evolve it'll force you to evolve because you won't believe in saying stuff that isn't your life anymore and so the audience believes you they stay with you when they start seeing stuff that doesn't make sense for the performer you are right or who you are who they believe you are they jump off and they're not with you anymore and by keeping them the way you do telling stories about your life they're they're with you everything's believable yeah and i i do think that a little like uh, tonight i was trying a new bit about like going out to these these brunches like these rip off places and this brand new i did it last night for the first time on stage and what i'm tr- what i want to do now is like i don't want to you don't want to like put yourself in a corner where like oh i only do autobiographical stuff you can that can be a jumping off point, I think, for some observational oh, I, material. You, yeah, yeah. F- of course, of course. Yeah. I mean, you've got the full range, but it's the believability selling who you are Yeah. so the audience is w- with you, you know. Mm-hmm. I heard this from, uh, there's a, a great comedian that a lot of people know, but too many people don't, and uh, his name's Chad Daniels. I think Chad's one of the strongest acts. And he said something that I, that I kind of have subscribed to. At the end of the show... You want the audience to feel like they just hung out with their new buddy, their new best friend. They know about you, they like you, and they want to hang out with you again. Meaning they want to see your, your 
they want to come see your show again. Good advice. Yeah, I think it's solid. So uh, speaking of advice, how much do you walk like Dan? I I hear that you uh, you did a little comedy back in the day yourself. I know you. Within the first five seconds of meeting you, you brought my manhood into question, which is uh, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> always good. So, <laughs> no, I that's I started uh, I started on radio and just writing and and uh, before I knew it, I was uh, house MC at a club called Ron and Bennington's Comedy Scene in Clearwater, Florida, and then uh, very shortly I was on the road, and I relocated. I'm from Chicago, but I relocated here back in uh, '94, '95. And then I started doing uh, doing the scene here, and then um, just moved on into producing, and uh, uh, yeah, at a different different part of the business right now. But Dan started the Chicago Comedy Festival. Yeah, that's which what you were saying. It's uh, tell me more about that because I don't really remember too much about it. Maybe I was you were you were a kid. <laughs> it, was, uh, <laughs> it was 98 through about 2003 or 2000. Yeah, about three uh, we ran it and. Uh, it was throughout the city. We had uh, probably, oh, I don't, I don't know, hundreds of performers over the years. That's but awesome. uh, such as, drop well, some we names. We introduced oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Louis C.K., Mitch Hedberg. Uh, they were the first one. Kyle Kinane was first introduced. Um, Matt Bronger. Um, you know, we had classics like Don Rickles, Eric Idle. You know, Louis Black did it almost every year. Um, yeah, we had uh, a great a great mix of comedy. We had uh, different. We had improv. We had a lot of different things. Um, but uh, yeah, so now I'm now I'm here at Zanies and enjoying what's happening here. And well, uh, now you got us. I mean, I don't want to say you're making it big, <laughs> but this this could be a defining moment but for you. This talking is, about this the original question you asked Dan about, like how often do you offer advice and. Dan's style is not to just offer unsolicited advice, right. but it's not even like that type type of relationship. It's like, yeah, Dan runs a club here, but you kind of look at him more as like a comedian than as a as a club manager because he thinks like a comedian, talks like a comedian. Like we talk like old friends. We, I was a house MC here the first year it opened. We're gonna be this club will be two years old, in like two weeks from now. Yep, and Definitely. I was here a ton. I was actually the first comic that performed here, huh. so that was kind of cool. And we um, we became fast friends, and it's not like – you know when you're, you're getting advice, but it doesn't come as advice? It's just like you're talking to someone who's been through it, who's seasoned, who you respect, and that's the c- type of relationship that we have. And he, d- he has given me advice. He has given me tags. He's given me ways to come at jokes, you know, different angle, different viewpoint. So we, d- we, talk, we talk shop. It's got to be tough to take criticism, like on on stuff that you've written, that you're performing. I mean, unless you have I don't, somebody. I I don't come at it as criti- You know, maybe that's just how how I'm able to do it. But I I don't criticize. I try to offer suggestions, options, things like that. And and really, you know, and I I'm cautious even to who I do that to. Pat and I are, like you said, I mean, quickly became uh, close friends. Where I've got that comfortableness with him just to be able to say anything and he and I'm not worried that he's going to be offended like in oh, any yeah. way of what he's doing uh, you know I'm my I'm just trying to help uh and if it if it comes off that you can throw something out there and it's it's better and you know I mean I hearing him tonight there was a few few things that are are working and that that makes me feel good it, it oh, helps yeah. me 
you know, know that I still got to, you know, writing in a weird way. But, um, yeah. It's but also, like, you know, he'll challenge me because we're buddies. Like, right. you like you should be doing new stuff. Like, when I was hosting, you should be doing new jokes all the time. You got to record your, your sets. And I, I admit I don't do it every night, but I'm doing it more than I used to. How hard is that to have, like, you know, I know you got two kids, one on the way, and it, it's it tough. Difficult? You know, time is out. Like, that's the hardest thing for anybody. I'm sure you guys come across it, too. It's just never enough time. And, and not like I'm working nonstop. Like, you know, I'll take a nap occasionally. <laughs> but try and listen to sets. I, I'm writing a lot more. Um, where I sometimes struggle is, like, bringing it to stage. Like, I have a lot of stuff written that I'm like, I need to get that out. And then sometimes you you put pressure on yourself, like you don't want to lose a crowd, you don't right. want to. There's never like the best time to do new material. I find the best time to do it when you're doing a longer set. You can open with some stuff, then sneak some new stuff in, then close with some stuff that that you know works. Yeah, I mean that's that's got to be a tricky thing. And and like do you overanalyze it a little bit? Like sometimes like man, if I'd have taken a maybe a little longer pause here for for a laugh break or. Maybe I should have sped this part of it up or something. Or do you just, like, it's out there. I'll yeah. get them next time. Well, we talked tonight after the show. I said the day before I went up, I said, you know, if, if can I go a little bit longer if, if it's going well and I have some new stuff? Like, last night I had a great show downtown, and they were so fun. And they, like, you sometimes ride the, the crowd, and you're up, like, riding their wave, and you're feeling good, you're feeling confident, you're just, like, more experimental and more. And tonight it was like I had to – I had to keep it going. I couldn't, like, veer off too much because I would lose them. It was, like, more of a tame crowd, polite. They were great, but they weren't, like, awesome, right. you know? So I talked to Dan afterwards. I'm like, man, I felt like I had all this new stuff last night. And then tonight it's like, <laughs> man, I did all that already? Like, I was just more loose with it last night. And it was more conversation. It was more – and tonight it was more like, okay, these are my rigid thoughts on it. And I'm, I didn't – experiment as much because no, but that's why you, you know said r recording your set because listen to last night's set you had the premise you threw the premise out there but did you improv or, or come yeah. up with new things on the spot that maybe you didn't even re realize that you said on stage that's why recording is so valuable because a lot of your best lines will come out you haven't written them yet until until you're delivering and see how the crowd reacts and something good will come out. And if you don't record it, a lot of times when you walk off stage, you won't even remember what you said. If you do that on stage, if you're writing on stage and coming up with stuff, that's when you can be feeling really good about confidence. It's yeah, pure confidence when you've got those laughs coming. Then that opens you up to to do it more and more, and that's when you reach another level. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I, I did an open mic one time, and it was just rambling. Joke, 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 joke. And I got off, and my friend's like, dude, you got to take a break in between, man. You can't yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm just like, I'm, I'm not doing that again. It's too much pressure, man. I need people <laughs> up here to bounce stuff off of. Well, that's, you know, with stand-up, you're, you're by yourself, man. You are by yourself. And uh, if they're not laughing, it's a roaring silence that you <laughs> hear. And uh, plowing through. Your material is one way to uh, avoid that silence. When you're a great comic, you the silence doesn't scare you. In fact, you welcome it because you know you've got the crowd hanging on to and waiting for that next line that's going to come out, anticipating. There's yeah. nothing distracting them. So 
so who who are who are some of the people that you looked up to getting into comedy? I mean, I know you started probably a little later, so was what thirty one? Yep. Yeah. So, were there people that you looked up to and you just were like, oh, I can't do that. I can't. Then you just. I always look at comedy like how I used to look at at music. Um, I always consume like mainstream music sure. stuff that's just right there, easy to grab. U two, Pearl Jam, bands like that. Once once you get into the comedy world and like immerse yourself in it, you realize like there are so many great comedians that people just don't know about. And and I know people that are like that with music. Right. You know, they're they're like, Oh, you listen to Pearl Jam and U two, like you know me you've heard of this this band, this band, you know. So I didn't really look up to anybody other than like I enjoyed Jerry Seinfeld. I enjoyed Chris Rock, um, Chappelle even some of the older comics like and I liked Latterman, I liked the hosts, I liked Carson. You know, I was just like in a family that my parents really liked stand up. Stephen Wright, I remember watching growing up. And it wasn't like I liked a certain style or a certain certain, you know. And I think when I started looking up to people is when you start working and you're not even working, you're just doing mics and you start to you start to look up to guys that are, are doing it and guys that are like and that's what's helpful being in a scene like Chicago is there are guys that you can learn from that have done a ton, done a ton of television, done a ton of road work, you know, and sometimes people don't tap into that enough in a scene like Chicago or New York. You just end up hanging out with your contemporaries and chasing them and comparing yourself to them where you can really, um, you know, become friends with these guys and also use them as resources for advice and bookings and networking and and you don't want to try to duplicate what your uh what your the guys that you admire are doing you know you don't want to try i remember pat first time i saw him he was smashing watermelons and i said pat (laughs) why are you trying to (laughs) so (laughs) but it was killing it was and i still think about going back to that (laughs) right I mean, how, how does that work? You, you wake up at 31 and go, I really want to live paycheck to paycheck more. I mean, that's my dream. Right. Like, run me through the timeline here. I was in sales. I had a, a decent career. And then, like, things hit the fan, and I started losing business. And I started – and I met my, my now wife, and I kind of, like, confided in her, like, hey, this is something I want to try. And she was like, you should you should go for it. And it – I did an open mic. I, I made it real, like – I put a date on the calendar and I was like, and that's so unlike me to be like <laughs> that organized. I was like, I'm going to do it that night and made it real. Went and did it. I was petrified. I wanted to walk out of there. <laughs> I, I, you know, I blanked out up there. It was, I'd never really been on stage before. So like the lights in your eyes, oh. like you hear that all the time. Like it's real. Like I walked up there and I thought I was in a different room <laughs> than I just was sitting in. Like you can't see anything. <laughs> Sometimes that still <laughs> trips you out. If you work a club that where the lights aren't crazy, in your face and you can't see anybody no airline it's like uh runway lights yeah so bright you're literally if you're lucky to see the people in the first row at all so you're you're playing to darkness a lot of time and you got to be able to handle that and you got to be able to look and scan the crowd so they don't think you're just you know zombies staring at nothing when you they're out there you got to acknowledge they're out there but you can't see them a lot of times i did this mic at edge comedy club it was at the chicago performing arts center all right and i scouted out some mics like went and like saw some people i was like oh i could at least do that you know 
but I did it at that edge because it was the closest to Zany's. It was like, because I had been to shows at Zany's and Wells, and it was like the closest to the way the room was lit, you know? So that's why I picked that place, and that's why I did it there. And it was like, I was like 24th, and it was brutal. 24th uh, uh, up? Oh, man. Yeah. And uh, I think I think I did well enough to like be like, I'll do it again. And then it just kind of... How long was it before you started inviting your friends and stuff to come watch it? <laughs> That's what I was always afraid of. Yeah, like, right. No, don't come. Don't come I was pretty it. not shy about that for some reason. And just word got out. And so they were just coming. Um, I started doing shows like I started doing shows out in Aurora at the Walter Payne Roundhouse because they had like real audiences. They didn't, it wasn't like just a, a bar open mics. And I was still working. So I couldn't do the mics like I a lot of the guys could. And p- stay out till one, two in the morning just to get up. I had, you know, you got a day job. Yeah. <laughs> is it? Uh, somebody told me once. That I don't know if there's any truth to it. Is there an unwritten rule when you're watching somebody else do stand up that you can't laugh at their stuff? No, <laughs> no, absolutely not. Absolutely. In uh, fact, you can't uh, laugh at what? That you can't laugh at their stuff because. Oh, you like can't laugh at it for being no, bad. You can't bad? write. Right. You yeah, can't yeah. write it down. Right. <laughs> you can't write it down. Right, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> laughing, absolutely. I, I was on the road with a guy, and there was they were doing an open mic across the street, and he's like, "Let's go." Time to steal some premises. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> is that a big thing? But premises is like... I push like him on the third rail of the L, man. Those yeah. people deserve to what's die. What's the worst? I'm sure, Dave, you've been around. You've probably seen seen that a lot where you see somebody do do jokes and just blatantly, blatantly rip off something from somebody else. Yeah, when I was uh, emceeing, actually, I've introduced people as the Millie Vanilli of comedy. I've, I, <laughs> I'll just tell them tell <laughs> the way it is. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I that is so great. <laughs> And that yeah. is Dan right I'll there. I'll he will meet things head on. <laughs> no, I, I have no respect for that at all. Now, you know, I understand that people come up with similar premises, but, you know, you have to really think about it sometimes. Uh, w- you know, why did that come into my head? Well, maybe, you know, maybe you've seen it somewhere before. Right. I mean, but it, hopefully not. I mean, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt, but if you get called on something and somebody's been doing something for a while, you know what? Back off. Let it go. Carlos Joe Rogan, yeah. Joe Rogan called him out. I mean, you're going to get called out. And and then, you know, it's been, uh, Mencia admits he steals now. At, uh, you know, he doesn't even. Well, what makes it. me uncomfortable, too, is when you see someone steal someone's, like, cadence, like their presence. And that happens, too. That can happen if you work the road with one person for a long time and you're, you become, like, an opening act. Or if you... Are I so think people heavily have not figured out who they are yet yeah. at that point. Because um, I've seen it too, and you think they like I've hide in that? Guys, well, they 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 admire somebody, and they just see how cool this guy, and they want to emulate in some way. And before they know it, they're they're just a, a clone of that person. That's not what they want. It's it's figuring out, and and this year is a seven year mark, as supposedly when you figure out who you are. Yeah, as your own comic, but that's just a number, man. You can yeah. figure it out way earlier than that. But you, I mean, when you're when you're copying somebody else's like cadence or just anything, man, you got to become you got to become your own. Self. And you have to be influenced, right? I mean, every Absolutely. artist. Absolutely. I, I hate using that word, but every artist <laughs> is influenced. I'm, and I, I'm I'm thinking music when I say that. Like I just saw this interview with Paul Simon, and he talks about how influenced he was. He and he named a song of his. That he's like this. That was a complete ripoff of 
um, I forget who it was. A Robin Mo- Thicke Motown, song, right? Motown man, yeah. <laughs> but they they are influenced by many other artists, and like that's the trick with comedy. You should allow yourself to be influenced, especially when you start, by many comedians. If you latch on to one and become obsessed with one, then I think you're more likely to. It's just more apparent, right? Yeah, yeah. I I remember there was one comic early on that was exactly like Lewis Black with that, sc- you know. And I'm like, man, you can't, you know, this yeah. is really his character. There's no way that you're gonna get, you're gonna go anywhere. You might get some road work in that, but you're just not gonna go anywhere beyond. Yeah beyond that so you've got to become who you are and, fi- and it takes a while to figure that out it really does it takes yeah. years but um well you're just it's life experience too i think well that's uh, sometimes th- you hear a lot of comics that start when they're so you know billy gardell and the, these guys were in the clubs before they were 18 years old and um there isn't that life experience so it's hard to you know when you get road work and you're Working tonight's crowd, there's 40 and 50 year olds all over the crowd. How are they going to identify with you? How are you going to identify with them? It's difficult. You don't have any life experience. You need to really have some of that to identify or just know what your material is, know what your audience is. Right. Are you writing this down? I think that was the advantage to me starting late 31. Like, I had life experience. That's a big help. And I had like sales experience. So, and then it's a business. So, that stuff helps, but it's. You know, I would lo- I would have loved to have started at 21. Looking back, I mean, that just can't look back on that for long, though, because it's not going to happen. But you can, when you're trying to learn all of it at the same time. You know, when you don't have like experience, but you're starting at 21, you are still getting great comedy experience because you're on stage, talking into a microphone, you're working crowds. You so then when you, then I kind of think it, it all gels. That's probably where that seven year mark comes from. Yeah, we were all younger back then. I, I started older, but those guys were were there, and they were they were younger than I was. Um, and seeing that, but they figured out how to connect, and that's why the you know they're successful. You don't stick around if you can't connect with your audience. Right. The saying, "Take the pa- pet train down and <laughs> stop following him home." <laughs> what he's getting at. No, stalking is a good thing. That's. Oh, who, who can I stalked uh, Paula Poundstone for <laughs> years. <laughs> so speaking of stalkers and conflict, you laid into uh, Jersey Shore, Philly, extra medium over there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you guys ever have anybody come up after the show and be like, not cool, man, not cool? No, I've never actually had that. Those are the people that try to give you jokes. Yeah. Oh, I hate that, right? Yeah. A lot of times they'll come up and be like, they think that they made the show. Like, you wouldn't have had... Oh, anything well. if they weren't there like dude what that was great that was me out there i gave you all that it's like <laughs> well i had other stuff in mind but yeah i was forced to deal with you because um no i mean I, people know i'm messing around <laughs> right I, I think it comes off as a as a you know like dan said it's sarcastic it's and then if you gain likability which I try and gain, and if you're smiling when you're saying it, you just like, you know, I mean, I don't look like a, I don't right. look like too threatening of a guy, like, right. and I'm married and have kids, and they know it's all. So some people, what I was glad to see tonight, there there wasn't a lot of people just shouting out obnoxiously like hecklers or just just want to be a part of the show. So I mean, I thought the crowd was good in that instance, and man, what a great guy to pick on. How are you going to come to a comedy show, you know? <laughs> And and be like, you, you know, you're gonna get it, right? Right. Well, I mean, before the show even started, you know, 
it was he and I sitting in the booth back there, and everybody just spills in this front center. We're like, oh god, you're just gonna lace into us all <laughs> night. <It's just> two <laughs> dudes sitting under this light. And oh right, together. <laughs> that's it. There's no way. We well, can it was it. the two chocolate martinis, I think, that gave people <laughs> ideas. <laughs> yeah, right. And hey, the I one straw. I love it when people are on top of you and, you know, especially a club like this, when they're right here, like in this front row, it is, uh, it's great. It just makes it more intimate. And I like, you know, some guys are like, uh, don't do crowd work or, you know, and, and when I'm middle in, you know, I'm wary of that. I don't want to do too much crowd work because I don't want, if the guy behind me doesn't want to do that, the guy closing the show, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be, seem like a, like a jerk, you know. Right. Um, if they don't like that, if that's not their style, or if that is their style, and then I do it and take away stuff, <laughs> do it better. So, <laughs> yeah, right. No, well, you I burn up that. everything the guys are going to do. Where right. are you from? This and that. And I mean, that's where you build. That's where you. That's your starting point. But I enjoy. I mean, I have the material. Right. It's not that. I just enjoy it. I. It's. I'll see things, and I'm. I'm doing my stuff, and I'm like, I have to ask that guy a question, or I like. <laughs> I have to comment. I have to comment on that, like. And it just that keeps it fresh for me. Right. That's fun. That and that makes every show different. I mean, doing a lot of shows, if they're all the same. I think I'd be like if I was like always doing the same thing at the twenty minute mark, and at the same thing at the thirty minute mark. I think I'd get sick of it. A lot of guys do it. Yeah, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I think I would get sick of it. Well, I mean, when you do that, you're not adjusting to who you're performing in front of. You're just plowing through your set. Right. And you're not giving them perhaps the best show that you can give them you should cater a little bit to who you're performing in front of and that makes deviating from your written set uh, sometimes necessary and and that's going to give them the better show but if you're incapable of doing it or if you're afraid to do it you have to have the confidence in yourself to to make that stride off of your comfort zone off of the path a little bit once you do that you know again you're going to become a better performer yeah. Well, speaking of catering to people, thank you guys so much for uh, hanging out with us after the show. Pat, I know you got something going on after this. You want to tell us a little bit about it? I think <laughs> you mentioned. Oh, I got to go. I'm doing. Yeah. I'm doing WGN Radio. Some more radio work. Patty Vasquez, late show. She's on. Uh, like I don't know what she on eleven to one or something. Eleven to two. She's great. She's Chicago comic. She hustles. She carved out a nice little job for her at uh, WGN Radio and. She's great with promoting and, and pushing the, the scene here, not just local comics, but comics that come in town that are working working the clubs. So, yeah, I'm going to do that. Great advocate for, for stand-up comedy. And anybody that is an advocate is uh, is a good person. <laughs> You're not kidding, man. Anyone that's not can go to hell. That's what I'm telling That's right. I, yeah, <laughs> like, I'll cut them. Well, so so Pat, you got what? Uh, Friday, you're gonna be back here in Rosemont at Zanies, or downtown? yep, I'm here Friday night. I'm down on Wall Street on Saturday and Sunday. Okay. When uh, does this go? Uh, when does this go live? So iTunes is kind of funny. I'll post it tonight. Hilarious. Yeah, it I is. love yeah. iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I it no. Hey, mm-hmm. I got 15 minutes on iTunes. No, um, but I think uh, depending on the time I get it up tonight, it'll be. Midday tomorrow it'll be up. So oh wow! And we'll we'll start we'll promote it on. And then Zany's Rosemont, which again two year anniversary this July. I'm house MC the month of July. I'm gonna be out here a ton. Oh, and wow. that's our anniversary, a two year anniversary month. So the whole month we've got special events and just a lot of fun. So I think we've even got two nights uh, where it's free admission. 
uh, oh, really? as a thank you. Yeah, I think the second, oh, the second third, third, yeah, second those, third. So very cool. Uh, yeah, well, we'll check it out. We'll definitely promote that. And and, and nice and talking to you that. guys. Thank yeah. you guys so much for Thanks, taking fellas. the time. And and again, here at uh, beautiful Zany's Rosemont, and uh, we'll have to go downtown next time or something. Check that one out. So very cool, guys. Thank you very much for your time, Pat. Best of luck to you. Thank you. And Thanks uh, so much. Dan, th thank you so much for joining in. Glad to have you guys. All right, thanks.